This is Climate Positive, a show featuring candid conversations with the leaders, innovators, and changemakers driving our climate positive future. I'm Chad Reed. I'm Hillary Langer. I'm Gil Jenkins. We're trying to ultimately accelerate the energy transition with this network of buildings such that the end customer wins with a business case of consumption reduction and savings, but you get to those hundreds of thousands of buildings and then you're able to provide very reliable energy demand reductions at specific points to the grid all at the same time. At Hannon Armstrong, we know that the cleanest energy is the energy that isn't used. Gridpoint shares this outlook and drives energy efficiency by installing optimization hardware in commercial buildings. They work with clients that have many locations across the country, corporations like Walgreens and Chipotle, and they manage savings for a client's portfolio of buildings. As their reach has expanded, the network of buildings they serve has become a tool in and of itself to moderate energy demand during heat waves and other periods of high energy use. Gridpoint CEO Mark Danzenbaker joined me to discuss how his team is working to create a more sustainable grid. Climate Positive is produced by Hannon Armstrong, a leading investor in climate solutions for over 30 years. To learn more about our Climate Positive journey, please visit HannonArmstrong.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Climate Positive. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and thanks for uh, inviting me. So, Mark, you've been with Gridpoint since 2009, and you became the CEO in 2016. Your team provides technology that has saved nearly 10 billion tons of carbon. We'll get into the business model shortly, but I want to first touch on your path. What drew you into this field of market-based climate solutions? I would say, like, for me, the interest in being involved in sustainability goes back to growing up in the D.C. metro region. That's really had an impact on my worldview and passion for sustainability. What I mean by that is, you know, living here makes you see that, you know, despite some increasingly partisan politics, that people really do come here to make a difference. And for me, that's always made me want to work on something bigger than myself. Uh, And I think you could really sort of summarize, you know, my goal here to, to come down to one word, and that's impact. I really want to have an impact, a positive impact on society. I see us helping solve some of the world's biggest problems, you know, particularly around sustainability and climate change. There's a lot that we'll talk about in the, you know, macroeconomic sort of situation and and what we do, but fundamentally and, you know, peeling it all the way back, what's a legacy? It's about being involved in something and building something that plays a role in, in trying to help make the world a better place. And I think everybody that comes to Gridpoint, myself included from the beginning, has been wanting to make a positive impact and in particular help accelerate the energy transition, which is one of the most important things we have to tackle. That's fantastic. And in terms of your impact, could you talk us through how the general business model works? Since you joined CEO, you became more focused on the subscription-based energy technology services. What does that look like for a typical client? What we find is that the smaller the building, the less likely they've been addressed which is, you know, really the space that we play. You know, Gridpoint is playing this subscription volume game where most of the buildings are. That's what we're doing because we are going in and we're saying, let's make it easy for those customers to adopt technology to participate in the energy transition and to make their buildings efficient. We tackle those customer buildings with a technology platform on a subscription that includes the equipment, the software, the services, everything rolled in together. 
Uh, and really, the idea is to set up a business model where, where everyone really wins, where we can save energy that far exceeds the subscription fee that we charge our customers. And so the customers don't have to put any capital out. They're zero down, you know, as it were. Everything is included. Our equipment isn't free that we put in the site, but it's included in the subscription and everything comes with it. And you create this sort of business model where the end customer is making money from the start by saving energy. But you have these sort of broader benefits for grid decarbonization. You are using less energy, reducing carbon emissions for the end customer, but also for the grid at large. And you're helping the utilities make the transition because they have this reliable relationship where you can lower the energy consumption and demand at specific points, which is another way to say virtual power. What we see in the future is a decarbonized, increasingly decarbonized grid where the electrons that fuel this podcast right now are increasingly green ones. And there is this two-way networked relationship between the producers of energy and the consumers of energy. And in addition to that, tackling the edge of the grid, all buildings and commercial buildings is a very, very important factor. The truth is we're not going to make the energy transition without tackling the edge of the grid. And that means commercial buildings and not do it without tackling those. Really, what we believe is important is an opening for centralized technology platforms like GridPoint to connect the consumers of energy, particularly commercial buildings, and the producers of energy, utilities, and the grid at large to bring them together to help close these supply and demand gaps and make the transition for both the end customer at the edge as well as the grid and utility. I want to bring us back to what it looks like when a GridPoint system or subscription is in place at a site, thinking about the behind the meter side of things. A few years ago, your team showed us one of the grid point systems in a Chipotle. And it's in the back room, in the break room, and it's a pretty unassuming system. It's a control panel, essentially. But you're able to generate tons of savings from that. What is actually going on in, for instance, a Chipotle site? Yeah, you got it. And and the same could be true for many of the other types of customers that we we work with, whether that's Walgreens or Chipotle or Wendy's or Burger Kings or many, many, many other types of customers like that. What we're doing is we're putting our technology in the site, you know, our platform, which includes a controller, which is a small, unassuming piece of equipment that goes in the site and takes control of the assets within the facility to help make the trains run on time, so to speak you know, make them more efficient and collect a lot of data within the site and then combine that data on site with our cloud-based platform, our technology, our algorithms, our data science, and our services. Gridpoint services are provided through a subscription service. How does that work for your clients? That's correct. So it's like equipment in the site, installed, warranted, everything is included. We take control of the building, we make the trains run on time, and then we use the data and the technology and the platform to help the customers make great decisions, but also to help them control their sites more efficiently. At the end of the day, the goal is, okay, let's make the site smart. Let's make the building efficient. Let's make the building and the customer sustainable. And, and really what we're talking about is reducing kilowatt hours, you know, day by day, minute by minute within that facility without impacting customer comfort and also managing those bills in such a way that we're helping the customer make a great business case, but also making those buildings use less energy at specific points and overall, and then make those buildings more resilient as well. So kind of everything comes in together. And if you say, okay, well, I used to spend X on energy on an annual basis or you know, divide that by 12 into a monthly basis, and then you have the grid point technology platform in place for a modest subscription fee, 
what's happening is we're saving far in excess um, what our subscription fee is and the customer doesn't have to put any capital down. So they're in the money, so to speak, from day one and minute one with a great system that can then be extended to help them tackle future use cases, which include the assets of the future. Because today it's very significantly about heating, cooling, lighting, refrigeration, the major assets within these facilities. But tomorrow, you know, it's about extending what we do into the assets of the future. And really the mission is build this intelligent network of buildings that comes together across many different types of sites, many different geographies, many different types of assets today, many different types of assets tomorrow, bring them all together, all for a subscription that the customer is is really in the money on, saving on an energy and build perspective, but also saving from a, a carbon emission standpoint, and also, you know, really participating side by side with the grid. So when we think about a specific site where GridPoint is involved, for people who are not familiar with GridPoint, what does that actually look like? And you mentioned getting real-time data, but a lot of these operations have set hours. You know when they're going to open, you know when they're going to close, you know when they'll be occupied. Why can't they just do a programmable thermostat? What specifically is GridPoint doing in one site to save money? Yeah, I think what's great is that commercial buildings do have the opportunity to be controlled. You know, the assets within a facility, you want to make the trains run on time. And I, I said that before, but I think it's a great analogy to say, okay, well, we find that unmanaged sites and programmable thermostats, you know, controlled just locally without eyes and ears and connectivity and, you know, data about what's happening, you know, leads to situations where, you know, various HVAC units fight each other or lighting zones are inconsistent with those store hours. And so really, if you're not collecting the data and managing those assets consistently through technology, that you end up in a situation where it's not controlled and you're not being efficient. So if you want to be efficient, data is the first order of business and knowing what's happening and having a control point within those facilities, not just observe, but be able to actually control. And so really, you know, GridPoint becomes this mini building management system within these sites. Is there a certain type of building that GridPoint focuses on and works best with? I think this is a really, really important point for people to understand where GridPoint focuses. And one of the you know, essential ingredients to tackle the edge of the grid. Because the truth is, and everybody gets this intuitively, that, you know, there's big buildings and there's small buildings. And the bigger buildings tend to consume a lot more and the smaller buildings consume, you know, less. And a lot of the traditional focus out there in the market and the industry and some of the traditional, you know, larger building management system providers is on the larger, often more unique buildings. And that is really fantastic because they're big buildings, they consume a lot, so you can really move the needle within a specific site. And that's really, really important. But what we found is that the unaddressed part of the market is the smaller the building. So the smaller the building, the less likely the technology has been deployed or that these sites have technology to manage and they tend to be less efficient. And that makes sense, right? Because the smaller the building, the smaller the spend, so the harder it is to make a business case to put technology in. So our focus has been focus where most of the buildings are. The ones that operate under the radar? Yeah, I think so. And that's what we've observed because, you know, there's significantly less penetration of technology within buildings that are smaller. And, you know, a fun fact is that 70% of buildings, commercial buildings, are below 10,000 square feet. That's your neighborhood Walgreens or Chipotle or Burger King, and that's your pharmacy, that's some grocery stores. And then 90% of commercial buildings are below 50,000 square feet. And so we are playing a volume game. And we've got 
you know, 16 plus thousand buildings that are, we call subscribers paying sites um, on the platform. And, and our goal over the next several years is to more than 10x those buildings on the platform through very significant investment in sales and product. And I could go on and on about all the things we're doing. But the bottom line is, you know, the scoreboard is how many how many buildings and subscribers and paying sites do you have? And then those paying sites, the 16,000 today become the 150,000 plus tomorrow. And those 16,000 buildings today and last year, here's another fun fact for you. You know, we saved on just in the year 2021 across those buildings that we had $100 million. Wow. We saved them $100 million. And we, we charge those customers less than half of that, far less than half of that, more like a third of that, if you kind of think about the fee relative to what they save. So the customer is saying, great, you know, I'm getting at least a one to two ratio on the kind of value to them. And that's just the energy side. That's, that's before you talk about operational benefits, asset management, sustainability benefits, just having the eyes and ears, all the good services benefits. So that's sort of like the value ratio. But that $100 million, if you kind of convert that to, you know, what you're really doing, you're making the sites more efficient. So that's kilowatt hours reduced. That's reducing the consumption of natural gas within those facilities as well. So we're really having this like fantastic impact where most of the buildings are on a volume game with a subscription that makes it fantastic for everybody. Really the idea is to like, let's make it so that everybody wins, you know, like the end customer wins, the grid wins, society wins, yet our investors win and, you know, maybe grid point wins too. I want to tell you about another podcast you might enjoy. There are trillions of dollars flowing into climate solutions. The world's largest energy firms, tech companies, and banks are putting big dollars behind climate tech. So where is a smart investment going? Catalyst, with Shale Khan, offers an authoritative guide to how we address climate change across the global economy. Hosted by veteran analyst and investor Shale Khan, Catalyst digs deep into climate and climate tech solutions with the world's top experts and helps us understand the trends that are reshaping the economy and transforming the way we power our lives. Listen and follow Catalyst wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of companies have tried to figure out energy efficiency for some of these smaller, medium buildings, and they've focused regionally because they want to have their installation guys in a certain area and they want to be able to manage it that way. But you've worked with companies that are all across the country. How do you manage that? What does that actually look like on the ground? That's a fantastic question because this really is... If you're going to focus where most of the buildings are and play the volume game, then you've got to be able to go to a lot of places at the same time. And that doesn't necessarily always make it easy, but that makes it really an, an essential ingredient, you know, and every noble act is first, you know, very difficult. So what we're <laughs> trying to do is, is be able to do a lot of things at once, right? We're trying to be fantastic at the hardware-enabled SaaS platform, which takes the investment. And we're very proud of what we've done. We're also like thrilled and excited where we're going to go. But we also have to be great at delivery. And we do that with a network of installation partners certified across the country to, you know, deliver and install our product because, you know, customers like a, a Wendy's operator or Walgreens, you know, they're not just in one particular town or geography, they're all across the country. But ultimately, you know, our customers want consistency across their fleet of sites. And that means going really everywhere that's required. And the what we call platform delivery, which is a very important function within our company, is we have to be fantastic at making the delivery of our products on time with high quality, on budget, and doing that for our customers when and where they need it. And so once the technology is installed, then you're really operating in the cloud and you're monitoring and providing data 
but you're not going back and forth. That's correct. That's the idea. Now, part of our business model is, hey, like we put our equipment in and it's part of the subscription. So if something breaks or if, our, if we have a failure or an issue, like it's on us, we'll come back and fix it. That's part of our service and part of our offering. Like everything is tied together. The equipment, the software, the services, and the services are, are proactive monitoring. It's customer success. It's you know consulting services. We call energy advisory services. Those all kind of come together as part of the package. And that is really important for the customers to know that, hey, like you got me covered. You know, that, that's really what it comes down to. We say to customers, we've got you covered. It's all in. The equipment's not free. It's included. It comes with it. We warrant it. It's all on us. You're going to get a great result. You're going to get fantastic benefit from the beginning. And you're going to have all these positive additional benefits from a sustainability, a carbon offset perspective, et cetera. With extreme weather events, I imagine one of the main challenges for folks who are tasked with managing sites across the country is knowing which sites are still operating well. And so a Walgreens or a Chipotle or Wendy's, they're going to have refrigerators and freezers and need to know if they can continue to sell the goods that are in there or if they have to throw everything out. What kind of monitoring services do you provide? And what does that look like when the grids are going through volatility? We provide really sort of a complete solution for our customers to not only manage and monitor the heating, cooling, and lighting, but also to sort of monitor and manage the refrigeration assets to ensure uptime and to know when you have those situations and know when, when goods go unrefrigerated, which creates a, a real problem for inventory. So we've been able to help customers through weather events, you know, part of our service is helping them monitor when there might be, say, a hurricane coming and we'll help them really, and this is very, very important when that happens, knowing what sites are up, what sites are down, being the eyes and ears. Technology can be a real help there, not just day to day, but, you know, when you have more significant weather events. And part of our platform investment is to continue to invest in the, the types and nature of monitoring that we do within the facilities on those major assets and being those eyes and ears within the facility for our customers to help them keep the doors open when they're needed. And that's part of the reliability and resilience of the end customer. But reliability and resilience from a grid perspective is a is a term of art also, you know, writ large for the for the grid. Let's talk about that a bit. On the utility side, you've engaged utilities as grid point clients. What does that engagement look like? What do you provide to them? That's right. So, you know, grid services has many shapes, sizes, and flavors, but we are providing capacity back to the grid by controlling and managing these sites and participate in a variety of, of programs. Some of those traditional, you know, capacity day ahead based demand response programs. For those who don't know, when you're talking about capacity, you mean the amount of energy that's being consumed by these buildings. And you're able to toggle that a little bit to free up capacity for elsewhere on the grid. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And that's effectively moving demand and, and shifting load later. And it's almost like, imagine an overbooked airline flight going from point A to point B. You know, they can't suddenly add more seats. If they're overbooked, they need to ask people to take a later flight. They're compensating you to take a later flight. And effectively, that's what good services and you know, demand response programs boil down to is because the utility might not have enough supply to satisfy demand at a specific point. They will ask people and incent people, particularly, you know, really what we're talking about is buildings at the edge of the grid to move their demand or shift the load to another point in time. And, you know, you can do that manually 
uh, or you can do that through technology in an automated way. And that's really what we're doing at these sites. We're managing them day to day, minute by minute from an energy efficiency perspective, like permanently reducing the consumption within those buildings. But then also at specific pinpoints, you can reduce the load, shift the load. And there's a variety of strategies there. And there's really an increasing explosion of different types of programs that you can participate in, depending on the area, the geography, direct with the utility at the market level. And we're seeing real growth and the opportunity to connect the edge of the grid with the utility in a real-time way. And that's where technology can help. So what we do, you know, a real simple example is we will, you know, reduce the HVAC usage at specific points without making it uncomfortable within a facility. And there's a variety of strategies that you can use within those facilities to pre-cool a site and let the temperature float down a little bit to an acceptable level and do that across not just one unit, but many units at a site, but also many units across lots of sites all together at one. But the real magic of where this is going to go, and this is really the grid point vision, is don't just do that with heating and cooling and HVAC. Do that with a variety of the assets. Do that with HVAC lighting where you can, which is a little bit of a trickier way to do it. But more importantly and increasingly, it's going to be about the assets of the future. It's going to be about pulling down the charging of electric vehicle charging infrastructure that that particular commercial building might have outside. You know, pausing that, pushing it out, pulling it down to, you know, 80%, you know, charging, just like at night, sometimes your iPhone might try to charge on a slower level because you don't need your phone till the morning. Well, if there's a grid event, we can manage down that load and that charging at specific points to help close those supply and demand gaps on the utility side. So I'm weaving this picture of many buildings with many different types of assets, HVAC, lighting, refrigeration, you know, EV charging and energy storage, all these assets together. And, you know, folks that are in the energy industry, you know, they'll know that as a, a multi-distributed energy resource play. Whatever the scenario is and the geography is, you know, we have this sort of network of buildings. And, and really, that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to ultimately accelerate the energy transition with lots of buildings, this network of buildings, such that the end customer wins with a business case of consumption reduction and savings. But every building that you add on the platform, you get to those hundreds of thousands of buildings, and then you're able to provide very reliable energy demand reductions at specific points to the grid all at the same time. And that's really what the ambition of our vision is all about. So behind the meter, you're working with a Walgreens, for instance, and you discuss with them in advance the parameters that they're comfortable with in terms of slight adjustments to their HVAC operation during extreme weather. Then on the utility side, you're not providing a subscription service, but instead you're going to them and saying, Walgreens is open to being paid for reducing their demand. So then Walgreens is incentivized. Gridpoint, I assume, takes a portion of that payment and then the utility wins because they don't have to fire up these really expensive and very polluting additional power plants. Is that right? Correct. What does it look like on the utility side? Yeah, you are able to have a reliable, what we call virtual power source, a virtual power point of sorts that is distributed across lots of different buildings and can be geographically pinpointed to a specific region or a specific sub-segment of the grid that, that has particular issues or problems being able to provide energy to those end customers in a reliable way. So from the grid perspective, it is not using power at specific points to provide broader reliability to everybody. 
and be able to rely on someone like GridPoint to bring very reliable energy reductions at specific points when they very desperately need it. And that will result in an economic payments to those that bring that shared with our end customer. And there's a variety of different programs that are out there. Some of them are more traditional, but we believe we're going to continue to see an explosion in the types of programs and grid services potential. We're also going to see the economic benefit for that virtual power grow. And that's really the bet that we're making. And we're doing it in a segment of the market that is less addressed. You know, demand response has been around for a long, long time, typically focuses on the largest of the largest buildings, or there are residential programs. But the smallest amount of participation is on the commercial building side, and that's where we're focused. So this is going to take a village, a lot of different types of programs. And what we're trying to bring is this sort of network of commercial buildings, which is where there's a huge opportunity for virtual power and grid services for the utilities and for the grid. Bring that to utilities you know, on a silver platter to say, let's provide that, that reliable capacity and that you know, demand relief that you absolutely need you know, with these sites in a very reliable way. And do that by every day, adding more and more sites on the platform. And you get this real network effect of, you know, the more buildings in a specific geographic area that can be on the platform, the better it's going to be. You've carved out this very specific niche that, as you say, has been under-addressed historically. And you have a compelling case. A lot of people are projecting that we'll be going into a recession. It seems like a pretty recession-proof model. Do you see any fluctuations between the busts and the booms? That's a great question. I believe that, you know, we're focused on all the right macro and secular trends, you know, sustainability, which is necessary regardless of economic conditions, cost savings, which are very, very important and the potential for an economic downturn and being able to provide those to customers, we think is going to be a recipe for success regardless of the macroeconomic conditions. And I would add to that, that as energy costs increase and energy costs go up, it makes the business case for GridPoint even better. And you know we see that as an opportunity to help our customers be more successful and help them drive energy savings while also being sustainable and do it on a subscription model, which as I you know, said from the start, it's very easy to pick up because you're not gonna have to put you know, your own capital down. That's where we work together to say, you know, we'll take the risk. We will provide the subscription to you, customer. We've got your back. We've got you covered, you know, all in on a subscription fee. You get to have your cake, eat it too. You get sustainability, you get cost savings, and you don't have to put capital down. Hard to say no to that. Yeah, right. That's the idea. That's great. So we're almost done, but I want to turn to the hot seat. So fill in the blank for the following statements. This may be the hardest or the easiest question for you. The best DC sports team is... Oh, that's got to be the Washington National, the world champion Washington Nationals. That's my team. So Washington Nationals, that's my answer. Awesome. I like it. The most important advice I've followed is? I'm going to struggle to attribute this quote, but the right thing is always the right thing to do. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, we have these complicated problems or challenges or issues that come up day to day, but often the right answer is the right answer. And, and I think it was I think it was Colin Powell that said, never let adverse facts get in the way of a good decision because sometimes this stuff isn't easy. But if you know what the right answer is, work through it, you know, make the call and move ahead for what's right for the long term and for the, the business. And I guess it's a, that's advice that applies in anything, not just business. I like that. I want my kids to know. 
I want my kids to know that I focused a substantial part of my career on making impact and doing something that I was passionate about. And I always tell my kids, like, the only life worth living is the one you're passionate about. So find that one thing, find that passion and pursue it no matter what. And you don't just have to have one thing. It can be many things. But my advice would be to my kids, and I tell them all the time, and I'd want them to know that I really tried to pursue that which I thought I could make the most impact on. It's a good model. When I need to recharge, I... Go for a run. I love to run. Distance or do you do races or... I've done six marathons, but it's been a while since I've, I've run one. Nice. And I, I don't know if I'll do another marathon like I have in my you know, long-term goals, one day to run the Boston Marathon, but I, I think I, I would struggle to qualify. However, <laughs> I have run um, multiple marathons. Uh, I haven't done one recently, but I love to run. You know, one of my favorite races every year, I always do it, is the Cherry Blossom 10-Miler in downtown DC. It's like the yes, best race of the year. Yes, I love it. Beautiful. Uh, but that's about as far of a distance as I can go. And I'm not going to make the Olympic distance team, but I do love to run. If I weren't the CEO of Gridpoint, I would be? I would say I would probably pursue some some path of public service. I think it's really important to do something to benefit something bigger than yourself. So, you know, I would probably pursue public service in some some kind of fashion, some way to make an impact. But obviously, for right now, I'm very focused on you know making Gridpoint successful today and tomorrow and next week and next year. Finally, to me, climate positive means. To me, climate positive means trying to create a business that makes an impact. And I think that really the purpose of a corporation is to find profitable solutions to the world's problems. And I heard Microsoft's CEO say that. I'm going to say recently, so it may have been a little bit, a little ways back, but I just love that answer so much because we are trying to build a fantastically profitable business that makes great impact, but we're trying to do it in such a way to solve some of the world's toughest challenges and problems. So if we can do that, then we're going to create all the kinds of impact we want economically, from a sustainability perspective and beyond. Wonderful. We share that at Hand and Armstrong and it certainly makes it more fun to go to work. That's right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and share Gridpoint successes with our listeners. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Climate Positive is produced by Hannon Armstrong. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. This helps us reach more listeners. You can also let us know what you thought via Twitter at ClimatePosiPod or email us at ClimatePositive at HannonArmstrong.com. I'm Hillary Langer, and this is Climate Positive.